Welcome to Strictly Horror, a marital tour of monsters, murder, and mommy issues. I'm Allie. And I'm Tate. And today we will be talking about The Evil Dead, a movie released in 1981, directed by Sam Raimi and produced by Robert Happer. Alright Tate, well for those of our listeners who have not seen this movie, do you want to give them a quick little walkthrough? So it starts off with our five characters, Ash, Cheryl, Scott, Linda, and Shelley. They start driving off to this cabin, awful at reading maps, almost get run off the road, waving at fishermen. It's a wild ride there. They almost fall through a bridge on the way to the cabin, finally get to the cabin. They've got generic creepy swing tapping against the house over and over. He grabs the keys, swing stops, clear sign nothing haunted's going to happen. Obviously. Swing stops swinging, that means the ghost left perfectly fine. <laughs> they go... Into the house, they go have some fun. Girl starts drawing a beautiful drawing of a book. I mean, just... No, she draws a clock, and then she gets possessed to draw a book? I mean, uh... <laughs> I make fun of her drawing ability on the book, because it was not exactly the best, but it's still way better than I could ever draw a book, so that's a thing. Later on, they... Go find a cellar. They go down into the cellar. Really, everybody brushes over the fact that this cellar flew open. You know, just the wind. So they go down to look at the animal. And they find the Necronomicon, a.k.a. the Book of the Dead. And some other equipment. Single-barrel shotgun, which magically morphs into a double-barrel shotgun in the second film. We've got a tape recorder with some voices on it. Doing weird incantations. So they go up. They listen to it, they're having a good old night, and then, for some weird reason, it is Cheryl, I believe it is? Yeah, I think that she's the one that goes first. <laughs> yeah, so she walks into the woods, saying that she can knows the person's out there, and it's the same person as in the cellar. Yeah. She then has a very, um... The trees have a crush on her. They were creeping very, at her through the windows. A, a very personal encounter with the trees, to say. Yeah. And then she comes back. She guesses cards like a pro magician, like just one after the other. Yeah. Four of hearts, eight of spades, two of spades, jack of diamonds, jack of clubs. Why have you disturbed our sleep? Like, I'm hiring her to be at my next birthday party for a magician. Oh my god. Anyways, people get stabbed in the ankle with pencils and just a bunch of shit happens back and forth people are dying it's awful people get locked in the cellar you know well cheryl's possessed so they lock her down there which is awesome but then she's just like crazy my favorite though was linda when she gets possessed and she's just sitting there laughing her ass off and like that's goals right there for me you know just on a bad day that's who i am i really channel my inner linda you know? You do realize Linda gets her head cut off, right? Well, at least it took Ash, like, a really long time to do it because he cared about her. I know that you would cut my head off in an instant if I was possessed. With zero hesitation. Great, thanks. <laughs> I've seen many movies. I know to cut the head off and then double tap. Don't worry. <laughs> well, at least I know I'm in safe hands if there is ever some sort of, hmm, let's say pandemic? No, if there's a pandemic, everyone around me loves going. 
Hang on, wait. <laughs> wait, what? I'm just gonna step out for a minute. I'm gonna go for a drive. Don't forget your mask. And my animals. Yeah, well, I mean... Everyone in the household except for you. Have you seen I Am Legend? You need a dog. Yeah, why? So he can kill me? Well, try so to, and then I have company. to... Yeah, but then I'm gonna have to kill him. I would have already killed you. Oh, good You're point. Out of the picture. You'll have to kill him, but I won't even know, so it's fine. Anyways, on that tangent, more people die, things happen, there's some amazing, what, like, claymation-type special effects. Yeah. There's some, like, cream corn coming out of a sleeve at some point. Like, when you say it like that, it seems like it's just very awful special effects. But for the time that this movie was filmed... They are phenomenal. They are amazing. And even today, they are very charming, good special effects. Yeah, the, the, the movie really holds up, I think. Especially compared to, like, a lot of, like, some awful CGI you see nowadays. It's very nice to be able to see real practical effects done in movies. Yeah. I prefer the show, Ash vs. Evil Dead, but apparently you love the awful first movie. No, the second movie's better. That's fair. All right, so we're here to talk about the first one. So, um, yeah, we just watched it again for how many times is that for you? I can't count that high. I think it was my third time, and it was better this time around, I think, just because the first time I ever watched it... Tate didn't warn me that it was supposed to be over the top. And this is an argument we've been having for a really long time because you never tell me, oh, hey, this one's supposed to be over the top, so don't take it too seriously. So of course I'm here like, oh my God, this is crazy serious and this is just a god awful movie. The couple times I've watched it since, it has actually been pretty good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's an old low-budget horror film. You should never take those seriously. Yeah, it is made by college students, which I think is pretty awesome. I've always wanted to make my own horror movie. So what were some of your thoughts on the effect quality of the movie? So before we watched it this evening, I remember telling you I don't want to watch any gore. I don't want to see any grossness because that's just not sitting right with my belly this evening. And there was a lot of times that I had to close my eyes because it was just nasty. The effects were cool, like, it got very creative, and I was kind of taking notes in my head for when I make my own horror movie, but on the same note, I'm like, that was god-awful. Like, what was it, the cream corn? That was nasty. There were some really gross parts, but I really enjoyed it, in general, I guess, because it was creative. I think a lot of the visual effects are charming, and they age the movie very well. Well, especially with like the camera work and the angles that they went from and everything. Like for some college students, man, that was some good work. When they filmed this movie, they were not exactly doing it in the safest manner. And a lot of scratches you see in the movie and things like that are actually real scratches, not things they added on. People were running through the woods, they were breaking through real glass windows. Whenever they shot the gun in the movie, they weren't firing blanks. Hold on, so when Scott points the gun at Ash, when they first discover all this stuff stashed in the basement, it's loaded and it is a working gun, for real. It's a working gun, but they show the chamber and it is not loaded at that moment. You really take risks. <laughs> in the one scene that the camera goes flying through the window, they just broke a real window with the camera, with the actress standing right behind the window. Oh my god. Things were done very, um... Over-the-top horror films. But what did what was your initial thoughts? I mean, definitely thought the movie could improve in a lot of places, but that's just due to modern movies that we're used to watching. A lot of yeah. them, the movie seems dated, and that's for sure. 
Yeah. But a lot of the camera work they do is very interesting and unique with how they do the filming, how they do different scenes and acting, what they used at, with the abilities that they had. One example is the camera work. The camera bolted onto a two by four with a piece of wood just barely out of the frame of the camera so they could push trees over with the camera, throw the camera through windows without actually having to hit the camera with a window, but they got about the closest thing you could at the time. Initially for myself, I actually thought Ash was the bad guy because he turned, like, he's just so sinister and, like, creepy. He's the quiet one in the beginning and he just looks scary and mean. He looks like he's the killer because I didn't know what was about to happen or the premise of the show whatsoever, right? He just looks like the bad guy. And then I kind of started to understand that there was something bigger going on. And I was like, okay, maybe he's the devil or something because he still seemed like the bad guy. I was waiting up until the very end for him to be like, surprise, guess what? I'm the bad guy. I don't know what it is. I think it's just his face. But now seeing like the rest of the movies and the show and I'm like, no way he's the bad guy. Ashy Slashy's a good guy. It's funny that you say that because I do remember when I first watched the movie is I did not expect him to be the final character. Right? He does not seem like he's the main character of this film. He just seems like he's going to be like second one dead. Yeah, yeah, he really does. Um, So back to the effects though, I made a comment while we were watching about how the moon, because it's so huge in some of the scenes, right? It's massive and obviously they did something, right? With the special effects, it straight up looks like there is a green screen up in the back corner, like up in the top right corner of the screen. It just looks like there's just a green screen because it's a little slightly off like the rest of the background and it just, but it's gorgeous. I mean, the moon's definitely added in later. <laughs> one shot and they're facing away from the cabin. And it'll be the moon with smoke coming across it. And then like two shots later, the moon will be behind the cabin on the other side of the sky <laughs> yeah. with the same smoke going across it. And, like, or like um, Cheryl and Ash go to leave. And they pull up to the bridge or whatever, right? And they get out and they're walking up. And it looks like they're walking for ages. And then later on in that scene, you see that the car is actually right beside the bridge. Like, it's, it's right there. And I love, I love continuity errors like that. Shows you that everybody's human. You can definitely tell out of the whole crew of people making the movie, continuity was not a role that they dedicated to somebody. Yeah, but they did make sure that they checked off a lot of boxes too. You have to go into such depth with your script and everything and everything that you need to make sure that you put a mic on and don't miss. Like, you know, he steps through a puddle and you got to make sure that you have a sound for that. So you got to make sure you mic down there and all the cutaways were gorgeous. Like, man, I aspire to be just like Sam and Robert one day. Yeah, and one little thing is Sam and Robert both get a little cameo at the beginning of the movie awkwardly waving to the car as they drive by them. Another thing which the crew did above and beyond with is filming this movie, it took them over two years to film. Oh my god. And they ran out of budget so many times that every single person in the crew actually played a part in the movie as like somebody's arms somebody like with the makeup on like they had males playing the females in scenes when they were had the full makeup on <laughs> random people and so many like actresses didn't come back after so long that during the end credits they actually have fake simps which are all the people who played 
parts in the movie just doubling in for other people. Oh my god. Arms and feet. And the only actor that actually didn't have a scene in the movie with a fake simp is Bruce Campbell. He was committed. He was committed. Four movies and a show, so. <laughs> Three movies and a show. Three movies and a show. He was one of the executive producers of the 2013 Evil Dead. Some of the other filming difficulties we had was finding the right location, and they did keep it in a low budget because most of the film was filmed in one location, and that was the cabin, which they filmed in Tennessee. But a problem was the cabin didn't have a cellar. That's what I was wondering, because it looked like a bit of different lighting when they were in there, and I was like, oh, like, they totally could have just gone elsewhere, and the cabin was so small that there's no way that that cellar could be that big. So, that makes sense. Yeah, the actual cellar in the movie was just a little four-foot deep hole they dug underneath the cabin and put a trap door there. Oh my goodness. But the actual cellar you see in the movie is a cellar in Michigan, and... Also, Sam, Sam's garage, which they turned into a set to be another part of the cellar. Oh my goodness. So there'll be a scene that the characters will be looking into the cellar in Tennessee. Yeah. And there'll be Bruce Campbell looking up out of the cellar. In Michigan. In Michigan so. <laughs> I mean, the first time I watched the movie, I definitely didn't think the cellar wasn't actually a part of the building. That's fair. Anyways, talk about more issues they had filming. In a later interview for Ash vs. Evil Dead, Bruce Campbell had revealed that a lot of illicit drugs were done on set. For example, the whole scene with the tape recorder that you see, that scene was much, much longer. But they pretty much had to cut the whole scene because all the characters were just too high. And they could not get a good shot from anybody. Oh my god. Just just the weeds though, right? Yeah, apparently the weed was a lot better in Tennessee or something. (laughs) But a bunch of 21-year-olds in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, things got a bit out of hand and scenes had to get cut. (laughs) I mean, it happens sometimes. It happens. It happens. And with this movie all said and done, it had a very low budget. The budget was $350,000. And that sounds like a lot of money, but for... Producing movies, that's really nothing at all. I mean, this movie took two years to film. That much money spread over two years, paying people to do the camera work, all the special effects that they had to do. Like, Yeah, no, you're right. That, that is a lot, I guess. Especially considering the second film had a budget of $3.5 and Army of Darkness, the third movie in the installment, had an $11 million budget. Okay, so they just got bigger budgets because the first one was a success? So who deemed it a success, and were they high too? I mean, potentially, but (laughs) the movie was first, it was rather, it was well received. A lot of people thought that it was too gory. This was a very new movie of the time that had a lot of gore and a lot of the -the over-the-top effects. Yeah. And that wasn't well received a lot, but a lot of people did love this movie at release, and one of the big reasons why it did become... A big movie and it did get sequels is Stephen King had endorsed the movie. Wait, really? Yeah. Stephen King in an article to, I believe it was the New York Times, had said that it was one of his favorite movies ever made. Oh my. What was he getting paid to say that? <laughs> was he high? He, he might have been high, but I don't think he was paid anything. <laughs> but having such a big writer in this genre that so many people knew and so many people... I guess, appreciated his opinion on things. 
having them say that this is an amazing movie, it really kind of swayed people into accepting the fact of this over-the-top gory movie when nothing like that had been done before. And I mean, I feel like a lot of people appreciated his opinion because, I mean, he really had a shining to him. I guess you could really say he had it. Oh, you bastards! Why are you torturing me like this? Why? Side notes. The precursor to this film was when they filmed in college. This is after when they, like, a studio actually picked them up to film this movie. I mean, they were still young 21-year-old kids. Robert Tapper was actually the demonic chanting of it. Oh. And if you actually translate what the chant is that raises the dead, the chant is actually Sam and Robert are the hitchhikers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's just, you and... say that in another language and then throw it on there and there you go. Demonic saying that raises the dead. So did you feel like you connected with any characters? Or maybe did you really like one character? Or did you dislike a character in the movie? Well, like I said, I am Linda. Everything is fine. Hysterical laughing when there is some serious shit going down. I can attest to that one. Yeah. Okay, so something that happened kind of early on, right after Cheryl had come in hysterical and she's in her room and Linda's like, I'm going to go check on Cheryl. And then she goes and comes back and Ash has this little gift sitting on his lap and he's pretending to be sleeping or blind. I'm not really sure. The suspense when she's going to take the gift. It's 30 seconds of back and forth cuts between like her eyes, his eyes, his hand, her hand, just going in for it and she's unsure. He opens his eyes, he closes them, she looks away, she looks back, her eyes open, her eyes close. It's just so much going on and I was like, oh my goodness, just take it. And then she does and he's like, what, you stealing from the blind? And then he awkwardly takes it back and then he's just like, oh, here, I got this for you. Yeah, like just some little things like that in this movie really made me laugh. I, I really enjoyed them. And oh, Every single time somebody died in this movie or was going to die or was getting down, but of course they didn't double tap. I mean, if they made the death scenes like a reasonable amount of time and didn't have so many back and forth awkward grabbing gift scenes, the movie would probably be like 20 minutes long. It's got like a solid hour of just people moaning as they die. Oh, you mean like this? <laughs> agony that it portrays and and then they're not even dead sometimes you you never know and just to bring it back for a second and go back to this beautiful amazing awful ugly magnifying glass necklace that he gives her <laughs> don't ever get me one no first of all it would be an awful gift it's an ugly necklace no wonder she tried to kill him like honestly but they use this necklace as a gift but since the filming of this movie took so long, they had lost the original necklace. And when it goes back and shows a close-up of the necklace, that was added later. 
and the closest thing they could find to it is a golden magnifying glass necklace, which they then painted silver. And during the close-up scene, you can actually see the silver paint coming off on her hands as she sits there and holds the necklace. Oh my goodness. See, these are things that I need to now go back and watch the movie again so that I can notice all these little things, the little quirks that get pointed out, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do love this movie so much is I feel like it has a lot of rewatch value. Every time you notice something little that you didn't notice before, there's so much going on. You do miss a lot on your first watch through. And on second or third watch through, you are still picking up on cool little things, but more things like paint coming off on people's hands because the necklace isn't actually silver. And just... Sometimes clown makeup, sometimes mask. I mean... You never know. Although one point I would like to add is after multiple people have died, multiple people have been possessed, Ash's girlfriend has been possessed, and then Scott dies, and then Ash loses it, and then starts cutting people's heads off, and then going all out. Ash. Ash, I don't want to die. You're not going to leave me, are you, Ash? It really shows the example of bows before hoes. Girlfriend gets possessed, no problem, barely phases him. Friend dies, he sits there awkwardly pouring water down his throat after he's dead because he doesn't want to accept his death. Aww. He cuts his girlfriend's head off because of it. It's just... Yeah, but he, but he talks to his dead friend saying, we're all going to make it home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there you go. Like when Scott tried to leave and he's like, let's go. She's your girlfriend. She's your problem. Fuck her. Let's come back for her later. Let's leave. I mean, yeah. Whenever the camera is whooshing around the woods, you always, it's got this sound that they have. And that sound was actually produced by a wind sound from an older movie, ambient noise from around the cabin that they were filming in. And then Sam Raimi's voice making just weird gargling sounds that they <laughs> kind of distorted to sound more demon than just some guy going, or whatever the hell he's oh my goodness. doing there. So they use that, put it all together, and... Even in modern horror movies, people still use the wind sounds, not the demonic voice portion, but just the sound of the wind alone. They still put that in movies now. Cool. When there's wind outside or whatever. Like the same sound that was used in this movie? Yeah, they use the sound clip of the wind. Oh. In modern movies. That's really cool. See, some stuff does hold up, even if it is just wind. Especially Bruce Campbell. I've seen that man in a corset. And what? And will say is... <laughs> what? First episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead. He's strapping himself in and oh boy is he looking fine. For any people who are fans of these movies and they've seen all the Evil Dead movies, they will notice that the recap in Evil Dead 2 is very different than what actually happens in this movie. And the main reason as to why that's so different is they couldn't actually get the rights for this movie from the studio that filmed the movie, even though they were the ones that created it. Wait, really? Yeah, so they had to tell this awful recap, which is really not this movie in any way, shape, or form, just because they didn't have the rights to say and use clips from the actual movie that Evil Dead 2 is based on. I've always been told, if you're going to watch Evil Dead, if you watch the second one, the first one didn't happen. If you watch the third one, parts of the second one happened, but the first one still didn't happen. But some parts might have. 
And it's just, it kind of gets a little confusing, but that totally brings it all together. That makes sense now. Yeah, I mean, like, if you were to watch Evil Dead 1, 2, and 3, you ran out of time and you could only watch two of them. You could really just watch two in Army of Darkness. Because one really kind of just gets trumped over by the recap on two. And it all works a lot more fluidly if you just go off of the recap of what happened. Which kind of makes Evil Dead 1 more of a standalone movie than a functioning part yeah. of the trilogy. But that being said, it's still a really good movie. It is, for sure, on, on its own. But I wouldn't recommend watching those three as a trilogy. No, if you're going to watch these movies, don't watch them back to back. Watch Evil Dead 1. I highly recommend it. Wait like a month and then watch 2. Because then at least the recap, even though it's so garbled, from your memory, it seems like it fits perfectly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, my memory at least. So, I think the verdict is, you should just watch Evil Dead. I think so. I think that's just a general consensus. It is a great movie overall. It definitely stands up. It's got some great little quirks and some a great rewatch quality to it as well. And it's just overall a fun movie. You're not going to be too scared that you need to hide under the covers with your cell phone and pretend that you're just replying to texts. I'm not one to go out and purposely want to get scared. I get scared very easily and I don't like it. And even this, I can watch it other than the really gross, gory parts. But yeah, overall, I think that it is definitely a must watch on the horror list. Don't forget to keep your shotgun loaded, your chainsaw fueled up, and always double tap. Groovy. Okay.